Bibles, open up to the book of Revelation, not Revelations, but Revelation. Uh, I don't know if you, it's in the, in, in case you don't know, that's the last book of the Bible. It's uh, right before maps and concordance, all right? It's that you get there. Revelation chapter one, we're in the second week of a brand new series called The Reigning King. And uh, we're gonna be, hopefully we're gonna see a vision from the scripture about Jesus. Now, Zion talked just a few moments ago uh, about in our Bible reading. And I wanna encourage you in this, jump in with us. If you're not involved in our Bible reading as we're reading together, jump in with us. I told a man just a few minutes ago, he said, I'm behind, don't try to catch up, start today. Start today, all right? Uh, this is not about checking a box to make sure I've done everything. This is about getting into the Word. Uh, and as you get into the Word, you may end up going back, but I want you just to get in with us. But the, what Zion, he mentioned about a vision, and the vision that came to Peter that, uh, that this is no longer just a Jewish thing. It was never meant to be just a Jewish thing. This was always meant to be a Gentile thing. This is an all-nations thing. You're going to see later around the throne that there was a multitude of people that could not even be counted, all right? And so I want to I point out something to us that I think is very important. You know, um, the nations are important. Ethnicities are important. Tomorrow, we recognize uh, a day that has been set aside by our, by our country, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, what we recognize of that is that, um, man, it's going to be for everyone, every tribe, every language, every nation, every people. Uh, racism is against the heart of God, against the heart of God. My prayer and our prayer at LifePoint and LifePoint Riverdale specifically is that this body of believers looks like this community. Every language, every tribe, every black, white, yellow, red, I don't care if you're purple. Some of you may have purple hair out here today. It does not matter. It is for all peoples. And so we lift high the name of Jesus. I'm thankful that we have a day where we're going to be remembering that tomorrow. And so I want to right now, if you don't mind, I'm going to offer a word of prayer and uh, just ask the Lord to do something in our congregation today uh, and that he would begin to draw people from all nations here. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We honor you and we magnify you. We thank you that you are a God you are a God who created all nations. You created all languages. You created all the tribes. And Father, we ask right now, Father, that no matter the ethnicity, no matter the language, no matter where someone is from, no matter what they have or don't have, Father, I pray that we would be a people that would be open, that we would be inviting, that we would be accepting. For we know that there's going to be a day around your throne when, when that number can't even be counted. And so, Father, we, we trust that. And, Father, may we be a people, may we be a people who honor you with our lives. And if there is a shred of anything in our lives that speaks to racism or racist thoughts, would you bring that to the fore for us so that we might be people who would confess that and move forward? Father, we love you and we honor you, and it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Quickly, if you, I don't know if you were like me as a child, uh, when my mom would tuck me in or say uh, on those nights when she was mad, get to bed, whichever one, it was more get to bed than it was tucking in, I promise you, because was I, was I was that kid, just to be real honest with you. Uh, but when I would get in bed, turn the light off, and, uh, you know, I, I was the kind of kid that I never put my foot over the bed or let it dangle. 
You were like that too, weren't you? Some of you are going, like that? I don't do it tonight. I'm not, I'd never. Uh, I was always afraid someone was going to reach up, grab my foot, and pull me under the bed or something. I don't know. Finally, when you, you remember when you said, okay, I want a nightlight, or could you leave the light on a little bit? Some of you are shaking your head. Yes, you still do that. Now it's so that you uh, don't like trip and fall on your way to the bathroom at night. But you would wake up, and you would see these shadows, and you would think, oh, no, somebody's in here. It wasn't until the light came on, because you got up and turned the light on, your mom found you the next morning with all the lights on, that you realized, oh, that was just my baseball bat sitting over there in the corner. All the shadows that came that really began to like freak you out. Well, listen, I, I think Revelation can be like that for many of us, because we're so in the dark about what it is that Scripture has to say in Revelation. We begin to see monsters and beasts and dragons and numbers, and we see these symbols, and all of a sudden, it's like, you're scared of it. It's like shadows. Listen, my hope is, is that through this series, we turn the light on and you begin to look and go, oh, wow. Okay, now I get it. Now I see. Remember, you got to go back to the historical context really quickly is that this was written by the apostle John. He was on the Isle of Patmos. We're going to see that in just a moment. He was writing to churches in Asia Minor, what is today Turkey who were facing persecution. Literally, their, their lives and their jobs were on the line for not following Jesus or for following Jesus. They wouldn't surrender their lives. They wouldn't turn their back to him and follow the Roman emperor, Domitian, Nero. And as a result, many of them were being crucified. Many of them were being thrown to lions. Many of them were being put on literal poles and sticks and being used as human torches. And into that, into that, Jesus speaks to John, and he says, listen, I'm giving this letter so that you have hope, so that you, in the middle of what you're facing, you have hope. You see, uh, really clear here, this isn't about timelines, this isn't about charts, this isn't about, like, this is all about having hope in the day in which we live. Now, listen, we don't face persecution like they did in the first century. We don't face persecution like some places do around the world. Here in the United States, we're not necessarily today thrown into prison because of what we believe or preaching the name of Jesus. We're not, nobody's going to be out in the parking lot today uh, hauling you off or trying to like crucify you because of that. But I do want you to hear something real quick. In the day in which we are living I truly believe there's going to be a day where what we believe and who we are and what we stand for will cost us. I don't know what that's going to look like totally. In fact, there are acts that are going to be, and when I say acts, I mean like bills, things that are going before the Congress that is going to radically infringe on religious uh, freedoms in the next years. That has nothing to do. Listen, I'm just telling you what it is. So we have to know that in the midst of what we face today, where we are, Some of you in here today, and I want to be really clear, you're facing financial difficulties, you're facing marriage difficulties, you're facing addictions, you're facing all kinds of things. I want you to hear this book was written for you, that there is hope in the middle of what you're facing. There is hope in the middle of what you're facing. The reason reason that Jesus gave this vision, the reason he gave this vision to John was so that, listen, the people of Asia Minor could have hope They could stand strong in what they're facing because Jesus has overcome it. Listen, I grew up in East Texas, which is a lot like East Tennessee, kind of like kissing cousins. 
In East Texas, when I was growing up, pastors were looked at with respect. Now they're looked at kind of suspect. Churches, churches today, listen, well, back in that day, you, you went to church because, okay, those are good people. You're going to be around wholesome talk. Uh, really, I'll be honest with you, most people, they were followers of Jesus. Today, churches are looked at with, uh, with disdain in some ways. We don't pay taxes. There's potential problems for traffic. We don't want churches around. You believe what? You line up with them? No, huh? you got to be kidding me. Christians, you believe the scripture? You believe, I mean, you actually believe that? Folks, I need you to hear me. We have to be in the word of God. That's one of the reasons that we're doing the Bible reading plan so that we begin to learn and soak and hear and begin to know the word because there's going to be a day when we have to know that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is, he is reigning, he is ruling in the midst of what we're facing today. He is alive. There's hope because he is alive. He's worthy, folks. He alone is worthy. So with that, I want us to read Revelation 1. We're going to start reading in verse 4 today. And I'm going to read through verse 20. We're going to finish out. John's going to give us a picture of Jesus, the reigning Jesus. So beginning in verse 4, <clears throat> let's read. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Underline, circle that, because you're going to see those kind of words all throughout here. Who, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom of priests, uh, made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the isle called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a, a voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the churches, to, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. 
and the, uh, and the living, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, John is writing. I told you this just a minute ago. He's writing to churches that are in Asia Minor. Asia Minor today would be Turkey. And he uses the number seven all throughout the book of Revelation. In fact, right here, just in this passage, you see seven churches, you see seven spirits, you see seven lampstands. Now, remember, Revelation is apocalyptic literature. Numbers and symbols and all of those types of things aren't, or they're rarely meant that we take them literally. They are symbols. They're symbols. Now, the symbol, the symbol that seven is, is for completeness in Scripture. When you see seven, it means complete. It means fullness. So the, the churches that are listed here in Asia Minor, though they are literal churches, Ephesus, Pergamum, these are real cities, Thyatira, Smyrna. I've had the opportunity, the pleasure, oh man, just the privilege to be able to walk in some of those spots. They're real, but it wasn't written just specifically for them. This is symbolic to say this is for all the churches, not just the seven that he sent them to. They're symbolic for all of them. So though he was writing to Ephesus and Thyatira and Laodicea, real literal churches, he was also writing to you and me. This letter was written to LifePoint Riverdale. So there is a word here that he desires us to begin to see. Look in verses 12 and 13. In verses 12 and 13, he says, I saw seven golden lampstands. Again, remember, it's symbolic, and if you'll remember last week, you weren't here last week, go back and watch the first message. It kind of sets us up for how we're going to be walking through this. We have to let Scripture interpret Scripture, and we go to the Old Testament a lot. You're looking at that because the Old Testament is, is like commentary on Revelation. In this one, you don't have to do that. You can go down to verse 20. Look at what verse 20 says. Verse 20 said, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, the seven churches refers back to Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4, the Old Testament, it's a, the Old Testament, Old Testament prophecy. He points forward. He speaks to the people of the day, and he talks about the seven lampstands that were in the temple. But in the prophetic way, when he speaks forward to those who are coming, he's not just in here just talking about the temple. He's talking about the seven churches that we are now included in that. We are included in that. So Revelation is not just talking about a physical temple. It's talking about physical churches, real churches, you and me, that we now have hope because Jesus is alive and he alone is worthy because he is worthy. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, John says, I'm your brother and I'm your partner. And look what we're in partners in. He says, I'm your partner in tribulation. I'm your partner in uh, the kingdom and I'm your partner in patient endurance. And I want to speak a word here to this real quick. This is kind of a little off topic or off note here a little bit. You need to hear this. Tribulation, kingdom, and endurance go together as followers of Christ. You need to, you need to catch that. If you come into the kingdom, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, you need to be sure that tribulation is going to come. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. 
In the day in which you see right here that he was writing, there were people being dipped in hot oil. There were people being crucified upside down for their faith. There were people being put on poles. The prosperity gospel, they would not even recognize that. They would go, what in the world are you talking about? John says right here that if you come, listen, you, I'm your partner, I'm your family member in tribulation, in the kingdom, and in patient endurance. And today, listen, where you're facing, what you're in, your job may be turned upside down, your life is, is in turmoil, you feel like your family's leaving you, I don't know what's next, I'm facing disease, I'm facing sickness, I need you to hear this. Jesus knows right where you are. He knows where you are. And he is saying, you hang on, brother. You hang on, sister. Listen, we laugh a lot and say, brother so-and-so, brother Zion, brother Rodney, sister Selma. Uh, listen, do you realize that is real language to signify you and I are brothers and sisters? We've been put into a family. And when one brother and one sister hurt, you know what? The whole family should hurt and feel that. When there is a need in the family, we come together. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Today, if you feel like you are alone, I'm going to ask you, who's around you? Are you connected to somebody in the family? If you're not in a, if you're not in a small group, this is your opportunity. You're thinking, oh, nobody knows. Nobody's going to understand what I'm going through. I promise you they will. Because God put us together. He has knit us together. We are a family. Men, you're going, I'm not sharing with anybody. Kyle, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't, but somebody does and they need to. So that we, listen, when we face tribulation as family, you know how we endure it? Together. Together. When the wolves come, they want to separate the sheep so that they can get away, get one off by themselves, and they can be devoured. Listen, Satan's desire is to get you by yourself so he can devour you. He has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's real language. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. How? John says, listen, we are brothers and sisters in this tribulation, and we're together. I'm your partner in this. Folks, there is hope. John says, I don't care what you're going through, guys. I'm stuck on an island out here in Patmos. They've already dipped me in oil, but I have hope because Jesus is alive and he is worthy. That ought to get more than just one amen. <laughs> yes, he's worthy. Folks, I want you to hear, we don't quite understand persecution. We don't quite understand it. I do want you to hear me. I think there's a day coming when we will have to understand it that we're going to be reviled. We will be reviled if we stand firm. And reviling will then give way to persecution. The question is, is are we willing to learn? Are we willing to get into his word? And listen, I wanna, I wanna give you two websites I wanna encourage you on. There is one called the Voice of the Martyrs. Do you realize there are people around the world today who are dying for their faith? Listen, all we see is a businessman or a businesswoman who's taken captive in another country. It makes big news. But today, there will be men and women who die for their faith because they follow Jesus Christ, and you'll never hear a word about it. And we sit back in our comfy homes, turn up our heat, and we just move on while our brothers and our sisters are dying for their faith. Voice of the Martyrs. Another one's called Open Doors. I would love for you to go, subscribe, and you begin to see. You begin to see. And he, John, says, listen, we have hope. You 
can make it. You need to hear me today. You can make it. You can make it because of Jesus Christ. When we get a vision and a picture of Jesus, when we see him clearly, it gives us strength to move on because he is worthy. Why is he worthy? He's worthy because of who he is. I hope you're writing this down. This is a pathway. He's worthy for who he is. He's worthy for what he has done, and he is worthy because of what he is doing. So with that, we're going to move quickly through here. Verse 12 and 13. Look at what verse 12 and 13 says. Verse 12 and 13, Jesus says that he saw one like the Son of Man who was walking in the midst of the lampstands. You remember who the apostle John was, don't you? He was Jesus' best friend on earth. He was the beloved, John the beloved. It had been 60 years since John had seen Jesus. Now, he walked with him. He heard him teach. He saw miracles. He was there the night that he was betrayed. He was there the night when they sent him off to be crucified. He was at the foot of the cross when he was crucified. He was there when he saw the risen Savior. He wasn't there when he arose, but he saw the risen Savior. He was standing there when, John, when Jesus was ascended back to the heaven. This is his best friend. Can you imagine what it was like for John to see one walking like the Son of Man? You see, the Son of Man was the name given to Jesus in Scripture in the New Testament. He was the Son of Man. Can you imagine what it was like for him to see his best friend? Can you imagine the emotion that he got when he saw him? But he knew that he wasn't just a man. This was God himself. He physically was seeing a vision of God himself. Look what Revelation 1.8, God says this. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Alpha is the very first letter in the Greek alphabet. Jesus, saying Jesus was there at the very beginning of creation. He was the agent of creation. He is the one who spoke and creation comes. Omega is the last word, the last letter of the, of the Greek alphabet. And he will be there when the new creation is there. He will be there. He is the first, he is the last, and he is the in-between. He holds it all together. Notice what it says, verse 14. It says, the hairs on his head are white like wool and snow. This goes back to Daniel 7. In Daniel 7, Daniel describes God as the ancient of days. And he says, Jesus, this vision says, Jesus, his hair was like, was like wool, white like snow, he is the ancient one. He is the eternal one. He always has been, and he always will be. He alone is worthy. His eyes, his eyes are like fire, it says. His eyes are like fire. He sees everything. Right now, he sees where we are. He sees us right now. He sees all the good. He sees all the bad. He sees your happy moments. He sees your bad moments. He sees the pretense that's in your life right now when you don't even know pretense is there. His eyes burn away everything that is lie, and he sees truth. Why? Because he alone is truth. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says his feet are like burnished bronze, burnished bronze. Some translations call that brass even. It would have been glowing, and it would have been refined, pure, pure. The, the picture is of holy, his feet. Wherever his feet step, it is holy ground. Romans tells us how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know who good news is? Good news is Jesus Christ. He is alive. And John says, I see him. I see him. And I have hope. I have hope. Notice he says that his voice is like a trumpet. You ever heard a trumpet blast? 
You just ever heard a trumpet just, bl- I mean, you, you buck up. It says his voice, his voice is like rolling water, waves. Have you ever stood at the ocean and just heard the waves crashing over and over, and it leaves you speechless? Not only that, it says that it's like a double-edged sword. His tongue, his mouth, his words are like double-edged swords. You know what all this speaks to? This speaks to authority. Kids, parents, you remember when your parents would like call your name? Hey! This is what John heard. John's seeing a vision. He is seeing the Son of Man. Eyes like fire, hair like wool. These are all symbolic. They're pointing to, you, you remember at the beginning, I get a little worked up here. I'm sorry about seeing Jesus here. You remember up here where it says, I want you to write what you see in a book. Usually when we're writing things like that, we're writing what we hear. You tell me something, I write it down correctly. You should. When you're writing what you see, can you imagine how difficult that would be if for you right now to be able to write what you see in this room? You're going to miss things. You're not going to see it. Clearly, you're going to, I'm missing, how do I take all of this in? The scripture says that no eye has seen, no mind can conceive. No eye has seen, no mind can conceive. What God has laid in store for us, these words are so limited, and what he is describing here is so much greater. He's describing everything that he can, and he wants us to see that in a world gone wrong, in a world gone wicked, we can stand strong. Why? Because Jesus. I've seen Jesus. And I want you to hear this. In the world that you're in right now, whatever it is that you're facing, when we see Jesus clearly, you can make it. That's not, that's not positive power, whatever you call it, teaching here. Jesus changes us. And when we get a glimpse of him and we realize he's still in control, he's on the throne. It gives me faith. It gives me courage. It gives me hope that if he's gone through this, then I can walk with him. Husband, wife, where you feel hopeless and out of control right now, you don't know what to do. I want you to hear me. You have hope today because of Jesus. You may be in a situation where your job's gone tomorrow. Cancer, COVID, or the common cold, I want you to know they don't rule your life. Jesus rules your life. I'm not trying to be downplay where you are. You need to hear me. But I need you to hear this. In the midst of where you are, Jesus, when we catch a glimpse of him, we can hold out hope. Our hope is in Jesus. Why is he worthy? Because of who he is. But I want you to see real quickly what it is that he's done. He's worthy because of what he's done also. Verse 13 says he was clothed. Look at verse 13. John saw and says that he was clothed with a long white robe and a golden sash. He wasn't trying to describe like the latest heavenly GQ. What he's describing here is something from the Old Testament. Seven times in the Old Testament, you see a a white robe and a sash, a golden sash put together. And six of those times, it describes the high priest. You know what John is seeing here? He is seeing what Hebrew says, that we have a great high priest who has entered the Holy of Holies, who laid his life down, who sacrificed. I need you to hear this. 
Jesus' life was not taken from him. He willingly laid it down for you and for me. For those of us who have been confronted with our sin and we realize we are, if we died without him, there is no hope. We've surrendered our lives. He's opened our eyes. He has saved us and changed us. While we were yet sinning, Christ demonstrated his love for us, Romans tells us. He demonstrated his love for us. He is the high priest who had entered in and there is no more sacrifice. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't give enough money. You can't help enough old ladies and old men. You come and you surrender. That's what he's done. That's what Jesus has done. He is worthy. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says that Jesus said he had died and now he's alive forevermore. He said, I hold the keys to death and to hell, to Hades is what he says. He's conquered it. He's conquered it. Whatever you're facing today, there's hope because he's conquered it. Now, I want you to hear me. You're still going to walk through it. Rarely does he pull us out of those situations. You can see all through the Old Testament. He doesn't take you out. He walks with you through. And you know where we find, again, patient endurance? Brothers and sisters and partners who come along with us. And we need to know what you're walking through. Your small group, your group of ladies, your group of men, we need to know. We want you getting in so that you have strength in this day. Because we can't overcome. We can't overcome. Not by just bucking up and pulling up our own bootstraps. But when we get a vision and a clue and a sight of Jesus... He is worthy because of who he is. He's worthy because of what he's done, but he's also worthy because of what he's doing right now. Look with me in verse 5. He is saving people. Verse 5 says, he's the firstborn from the dead. That's quoting Psalm 89. If you were to go back to Psalm 89 later today, you begin in verse 27. Read the whole Psalm, but Psalm 20, uh, 89, 27 and following, you're going to see that right there. He's the firstborn of the dead. You don't have a firstborn unless you're going to have a second and third and fourth and fifth and a hundredth. That means he is alive. He's alive, folks. And because of that, we have hope. And if that doesn't bring you hope, I need you to get into the book of Revelation. I need you to get into the reading plan. I need you to get in a small group so that we can come along with you and help you to see those things. If that doesn't bring you hope, I want you to know you may not be a follower of Jesus Christ today. You may not be. And my prayer, our prayer prior to this was, God, would you save people today? Because we desire you to have hope in Jesus Christ. Not only is he worthy because of what he's, who he is and what he's done and what he's continuing to do. Notice, continue on with me here. He says, he loves us. He loves us. Not only, he doesn't love us with some sappy sentimentality, some kind of fluffy thing. He loves us with a sacrificial love that he laid his life down for us. He laid his life down for us. He holds us in his hands, folks. Did you realize that? He, the, he says, he holds the seven stars. He holds us in his hand. When things feel like they're out of control, they're not out of control to him. There's not a wayward molecule anywhere in this universe. Everything that is happening is under his sovereign plan. And some of you may go, 
Well, do what? You know what that does for me? That caused me to go, Father, I'm trusting you. Even in the midst of my boneheaded mistakes. Listen, you talk about suffering. You know what he's talking about here when he's talking about suffering and enduring? It's, he's talking about the suffering that we endure because we stand for the name of Jesus, not the suffering we do because of our boneheaded mistakes. He says, when you stand for me, I'm walking with you. You know what the great grace of this is? Is that even when I stumble and fall, he walks with me. And he says, get up, Kyle. There is hope. I can, you can be strong today. Romans 8, notice what Romans 8, Romans 8 said, God is for us. Who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? That means that he protects us. That means he guides us. That means he gives us all that we need. That means that we have purpose now to go and live sent, to go and tell the world about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one who is worthy, the one who we see, he is the head of the church. He is the one who laid his life down for us. He is the one by which all things are held together. He's the one who is eternal. He's the one whose eyes see everything. He is worthy. He's worthy. Notice what happened in verse 17. Verse 17, John says, when he saw Jesus, what had happened? It says that he fell down dead. He fell down dead. And do you see what the grace and the mercy of Christ happened right here? When he passed out, when he was dead, it says this, that Jesus reached down and he touched him. Today, right here, everybody with me, right here, you feel like you're face down, not because you're worshiping, because I tripped and I don't know how to get back up. I want you to know Jesus is there and he's picking you up. Some of you feel like you're unworthy. You followed him. You've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and yet you find yourself in a pattern of sin right now. I need you to hear. When you come back to him, when you get a vision of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done for you, and you fall down, everyone who sees Jesus falls down in worship. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah before, when, he's in, when, he, when, when he had the vision of God, it says that he fell down and he cried out, woe is me, I am undone. There's not anyone that sees the holiness of God and remains the same. And when you get a glimpse of that and you fall before him, he reaches out and he graciously touches you and he says, fear not. You can overcome where you are today. Not because you're bootstrapping, you're buckling up, but because of my son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, you come to me. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who are burdened. You take my yoke, for it is light. It is light. Today, I want you to hear me. I, folks, I feel like this week I've been able to see Jesus. I hope that you understand that. My prayer is that today, if you are a follower of Christ, whatever it is you've been holding on to, whatever it is that you've been trying to do, whatever it is that you feel like, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dying, I'm drowning, Jesus can change you. He said, fear not, believer, but I want you to hear this. If you don't know Jesus, fear much. Today, would you surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Father, we love you. We honor you. 
We magnify you. We ask you, give us a vision. Let us be able to see you, Jesus. Let us see you. Change us, make us new. You alone are worthy. I'm gonna ask you to stand right now as we sing and as we respond. Zion, please come.